Hey guys, I quickly just need to address something before today's episode. In one of my recent episodes where I talk about the lessons that I've learned in my 20s, I just wanted to note that and upon reflection, some of the things that I suggested may have upset other people. This wasn't my intention and I do apologize for some of the suggestions that I made. Example, um, something that I said that you need to leave your hometown in order for growth. There's nothing wrong with that. I should have worded that better. What I meant is like do things like travel and all that stuff in order to grow because I was just purely sharing my own experiences and I am deeply sorry if I have offended anyone and I will improve my wording better in the future. Hi guys, welcome back to the What Would She Know podcast. I'm your host, Lily Heenan, and today I have my mum with me and she has been, um, see I already stuff. I'm nervous. I don't know why you're my mum. <laughs> I don't know. There shouldn't be any pressure with your mum. Anyway, my mum is here and we're going to record Hi. an episode today. Hi, everyone. What's your name? My name is Joy Heenan and I'm Lily's mum. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, before we get into anything and talk a little bit about why I brought her on, I think I'm going to name the episode having a parent with a disability or something like that. So obviously my mum is in a wheelchair, but we will get into that in a little second. But obviously we'll do the quote of the day and gratitude. So did you bring in a quote, Mum? I have got a quote. It's a quote that I've used quite a fair bit. Um, It's one by a British gentleman by the name of Winston Churchill, and it goes along like this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And that is one that I have used and reflected on many. Also grateful for the things that I've managed to achieve, I suppose. Looking back in the last number of years, um, I would have you know, being really, I, I was striving for this particular thing, which is a horse riding simulator. Mm. And, um, I looked at trying to buy one and they're really expensive and, and, and I got the opportunity. So it's a mechanical horse. It's a mechanical. Know, it's, a, it's, it's literally a fake horse that rides the robot horse. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a bit like a bucking bull, but it doesn't buck. It's, yeah. it's a horse. So a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to purchase one and didn't pursue it because it was quite expensive. And, um, I was lucky enough to get one second hand just before Christmas. So at a much more reasonable reasonable price and the kids for Mother's Day yesterday were here and they helped me get on it and ride it. So mm. I'm really grateful for I, that. I hopped on it and it gave Murray the ick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about it. I was like, did that give you the ick? He's like, kind of. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, what's another thing? Uh, and so I'm also grateful for the kids. I think we have – all come through some really traumatic times and are all in a really great relationship um, point in our lives um, at the moment. And I'm, I'm really grateful for, for that. Yes. All right. Well, obviously of the topic of today, it's going to be having a parent with a disability. And that's what we're going to talk about. Like how you got to this point, what happened, what have you achieved since all that type of stuff. 
So do you want to run us through like what actually happened, like the accident itself? Are you okay sure. to talk yeah. about that? Yeah, like, no, yeah, what happened, all the details? Perfectly okay. So Christmas Eve 2010, I... Yeah, Christmas Eve. Uh, was lunging my new horse um, that I had purchased. That he was a bit of a dream horse, and uh, made the decision to get on and um, reacted wrong and try. And he um, was a bit naughty, and I tried to get off, and I was sort of had partway gotten off I was over the saddle so sort of my tummy was on the saddle and he bronked and spun and I and so he sort of flew me up into the air and back and I landed on really hard ground it was a clay we cut an arena in October and it was a clay base so it was drying so it was like it was landing on concrete and I all I remember is trying to get off and going oh fuck and then I remember sort of coming to and with the ambulance officers over the top of me and the green whistle in my mouth and them saying the helicopter will be here soon so the helicopter guys were actually pretty amazing. They were trying to figure out where they were going to land that was safe because um, we had a number of horses on the property and cows and the kids were there and Mick, the kid's dad, obviously was there. And, and um, our grandma was And I think um, Mick's mum and dad had come out as well. And um, dad's workers. Yeah, dad's, I think dad's workers were there because there was Christmas Eve, there tended to be a big sort of barbecue and a cleanup at um, the business. And so they were sort of all there as well. So there was a lot of people that saw it and were involved in it. Um, and yeah, so the helicopter landed, um, and I was put in there. I can't remember if anyone came with me in the helicopter or did dad. I, yeah, I can't remember. Well, um, I remember, like, I remember we were outside, we watched it happen. I remember dad like running up to the arena. We had no idea what was going on. Like, I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, there's it. Like, I never, how old was I at the time? Like. Nine. Yeah, I was nine, about to turn ten. I had no idea what was going on. And I remember I was helping, um, like, Nanny was with the boys and I was helping Dad's workers, like, calm down the other horses. And I think we had – did we have Danny? That was the horse that Danny was off. the horse yeah, that I fell Dan- off, yeah. Danny as well. And, and he was a big horse. Yeah, he was horse, a massive horse. Massive, yeah, massive. Like, really big horse. Really big horse, like 16-2. Um, and – Young, like a young four, horse, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and a bit silly. Yeah. Um. So that would have been quite difficult to manage, but um. Yeah. So then I was I, re- I was flown to Royal Melbourne Hospital, and um. I just I I don't sort of remember too much about it. Sort of being in and out of. I suppose drug induced ness of for pain, but I remember they did a scan, and I had dislocated sort of broken my spine at t6 and where's that so that's for reference that's about your bra strap yeah your bra strap down 
And so then I was, so that was Christmas Eve and like, and, and it's, I hadn't organized the kids Christmas presents. Like that was something I normally wrapped and did Christmas Eve night after they'd gone to bed. I, I couldn't remember if I had enough presents or if I was needing to go into town and get stuff. Mm. Um, so all of that was sort of really left to the family to try and figure out. Um, so yeah, I'd sort of, I, it's really bad. Like it still kills me to this day. I'd wrecked everyone's Christmas. And so I, I was transferred from Royal Melbourne to the Austin, which was the spinal hospital and put in intensive care there. And they'd sort of said to me, you know, you'd broken your spine. There was spinal cord damage. Um, they weren't sure if I would walk again. I would need an operation. And because the next day was Christmas Day, they didn't think that they it would be done. Mm. Um, but they did do it, which was um, really good. So um, I found out that morning and then next minute dad and my mum were there and, and I remember asking not to be knocked out until I actually got into theatre because I actually wanted to thank all the doctors and staff for actually coming in on Christmas Day and, and, you know, apologise for wrecking their Christmas Day because they were in there um, operating on me. And so I was operated on and and had 12 rods and 12 screws and two rods put into my spine to stabilise it. Um, and now massive. Like, we have a photo because they eventually got taken out, didn't they? And, like, the size comparison compared to, what, a 50 cents coin, they were, like, three times the size of, yeah, like, really, double or something. Like, yeah. these massive rods they are really, in your back. Really yeah. big, the screws. So yeah. I did eventually have to take them out. Um because I broke one of them, but that's a different story. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was that. And I think I spent four days in intensive care and I had, must have broken ribs at, at with the whole accident as well. And I also had like f- blood on my lungs. So I had to have a tube stuck in between my rib cage into my lung to drain the fluid and the blood out. That I remember that being really painful. Um, so four days in intensive care um, and then went into high dependency at the Austin. So that was in a ward of four people. Um, and I just, like, and I hadn't seen the kids. I'd seen Mick and... Mum, which is Mickey's my dad. Yeah, yeah, the kid's dad, so (laughs) ex-husband. And we were like during that is four days in intensive care, but I hadn't seen the kids, so it was really great to see the kids. Did we see you on Christmas Day? No, No, um, I don't. You didn't come down till the day. Like I think it was four days, Mm -hmm. and I think they this we'd had a social worker. Um, come and talk to your kids about, you know, mum won't be able to walk again and she can't lose your legs and she'll be in a bed. And and they were going to wheel me outside because you guys couldn't come in intensive care. Because yeah, I remember of, that you were in a bed and they 
wheeled you out. Yeah. And that was the first time we spoke to you since the yeah. accident. And it was so good to we see like, you. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> we can understand. Uh, and then, but I re- remember like, um, you know, the social worker apparently had been saying it and saying it and Sam, who was four at the time, had turned around and said apparently, yeah, we know that already. Can we just see up? <laughs> so... Yeah, it was really nice to see you guys. So then I spent three weeks in high dependency at the Austin. and high dependency? So that's where there is four beds and you've got really high nursing care Mm -hmm. Um, because part of the spinal cord is not only can you not move, but you're um, anything below your break. Uh, doesn't work properly either so that meant my bladder and my bowels and then that becomes a real problem is trying to get your bowels to work with some consistency and And you had a catheter put in yeah and I had a catheter put in um so that was pretty easy that just would get emptied regularly but the bowels was just terrible and I remember so they're constantly pumping you full of Senecod or medication to try and get your bowels to clear and I remember when mine eventually did because my tummy just kept growing and growing and growing it was like I was nine months pregnant and it was terrible and eventually you know I remember them when they did I you know, then started having bowel accidents in bed which is just horrible and I remember one day being cleaned up by nurses and it just happened to be that there was two guys on nurses at that time and I it was just horrible because I couldn't feel and I had two guys cleaning me up and very professional you know but it was just like this whole massive reality of I couldn't feel what they were doing and not that there was ever any impropriety but it just really hit home is like oh oh my god yeah like it's one thing to think yeah yeah I can I can do this. I can live my life in a wheelchair, but that was just the whole. This is going to be my life now of trying to manage my bowels and feeling not being there and feeling numb and being in pain. And um, the pain was really hard to manage too because you go into something called nerve pain. So it's like um, searing hot needles pricking at your skin below your level of injury. Um, and that was was really hard to manage too. But you still struggle with that to this day, don't you? Yeah, I still have. Um, it's yeah, I still do struggle with with different pain now. So yeah, um, not as on as much medication, which is great because um, I tend to manage things by keeping active, which is good. But I really struggle with the cold. So part of the spinal cord injury is that you can no longer regulate your body temperature. So I really see, and everyone is different. Some people love the heat, some people love the cold, but my body just doesn't tend to love the cold and my body temperature goes really low to like 34, 33 degrees, which is really low. And then I, in winter, tend to find that I have to stay home and in bed and isolated and um, with an electric blanket on to try and keep warm. Yeah. So after three weeks, I think I ended up going to rehab and I was so excited about it. You know, everyone 
sold rehab as the you know it's great you start to get better and you you're wanting to at that point go oh gosh you know well they stand me up will I get to move my legs you know what will happen am I ever going to walk again because that's obviously your focus at that point is very hard to accept that you won't walk again you were someone that was very fit and active prior to the accident, weren't you? Yeah. Like I still remember you were that mum that would always walk and like go for walks and you were active and yeah, feed the horses and yeah, stuff well, like that. Yeah, well, you and I, yeah, we yeah. used to ride yeah. regularly. Like you'd go to Pony Club and we yeah. would ride around the farm because we had a farm at that time. And, yeah, I would walk most days when the kids went to school and I went to Pilates. Um and yeah, then to have lost all of that um, was was really hard. I still was madly keen about riding. Like I remember, um, I think the first day, one of the first days that I was actually allowed up and in a wheelchair and push myself around in in the lounge room. There was actually a picture of the Olympics and, and a horse rider at the Olympics, and I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I can aim to be a Paralympian and go and horse ride and yeah that wasn't received well um yeah but I was still always very passionate about riding again um yeah we'll get into that get into that so went so yeah went to rehab and it was hell so in I remember they were assholes weren't they oh yeah well it was just horrible it was like it was there was no internet. You had to bring your own TV. You couldn't turn your own lights on and off. Um, whereas at the Austin at the hospital, you know, it was very modern. There was a telly there, you look, as hospitals are now. Um, there was internet. There was all those things. And then, and there was very much a routine. So you had uh, assistance to help you get up and get showered and go to the toilet and have, and Brecky would come around at, you know, certain time like it was very routine and structured but when I got to rehab that all went out the window because they ran it very differently and I remember on the first day because I didn't have any exercise or physio to get up for on a timeline I sat in my room with a curtain around me until one o'clock before they got me up and I just thought if this is rehab I want to go back to the hospital this is terrible but I was lucky enough to um, share a room with my, who has since become a great mate, Martin, because we were in the same room at the Austin and he, um, we were in similar situations. So both married, both had three kids. Um, yeah, he, we were similar ages. To the kids, all the kids were, we, were yeah. similar. So we... Um, the kids sort of all became friends and he had been riding a push bike and got hit by a car, but he was a quad or is a quad. So he couldn't even feed himself. Um, so he didn't have movement in his arms, arms at that, yeah. at that point, no, or his legs. Um, and so we, I had been lucky enough to get to rehab and Martin and I were sharing a room. So that was really quite comforting and, and nice um, to have someone familiar there, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, pretty tough time. Um, and yeah, like, and it was just so much to, 
adjust to adjust to and accept and um you know and at that point you're like they say you you probably won't walk again and they class your injuries as complete or incomplete so complete is that there's basically no feeling no movement below your level of injury and they do that by it's a weird test of sort of like pin pricking your body with your eyes closed to see if you can feel anything or if you've got any little movements at all and I had none so I was classed as a complete injury which was at that stage they said go home live your life in a chair don't that there was no um, for those that know me will know that I do a lot of um, neuro exercise and have always done that Um, there was no um, advocating for that at all. It was like, don't live in false hope. You know, you need to go home and get on with your life. And I hate that. Yeah, it was. Um, they've changed. They've changed their advices of those types of things now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about go home and stay as strong as you can. And there's certainly a lot more spinal gyms around. Um, yes. Yeah, so. It was a lot to adapt to. But, yeah, in rehab at physio, I don't think I got stood up once. I think I was put on a tilt table a couple of times, but because I didn't have any indication of movement below my level of injury, they didn't. Didn't even try. They didn't even try. They didn't even do that, and we couldn't understand it. It was all just we're going to give you the tools to um transfer in and out of your chair transfer in and out of the car mm-hmm. on that that was so hard and um get your upper body strength and um yeah you just think how hard it is for someone to do that like if you can't feel from what is it your bra line down mm. you're sitting in your bed and you've actually got to try and get like you use a slide board that lets you like go from the bed to you but to actually like push yourself up onto it and then onto your chair, like it's not. And I've got short arms and a long body, yeah. so like that was really hard yeah. too. And I remember, like, because we, we could have weekend leave, and um, towards the end of my rehab stay, and I came came home, and I remember I sat in our couch, and it mm. was like a leather couch, and it had a recliner seat, like the bottom kicked out, and I couldn't even sit up in that. I was sliding out of it. I had to get Mick to come and. Help. You know, help me. So I, I couldn't have sat on a bed or a plinth or anything without using my upper body to sit up. Yeah. Uh, and look, whereas now it's very different. I've done a lot of exercise. Built your muscle up. Built my muscles up. That's yeah. right. Got stronger. Um, so at rehab for 14 weeks, mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to have a lot of um, – trades assistance um to be able to get the modifications that we needed done to the house for me to get home as quick as I could so that was ramps at doors and um our ensuite needed to be modified to have a roll-in shower and no steps um because how I shower is I transfer onto a shower wheelchair um and even like the kitchen when did we get the kitchen done like if you're someone, go and have a look at your kitchen if you're listening to this and just, like, the bench height is always, like, higher, obviously, because, like, people who stand, it's to that level. But for you to come home 
the kitchen was always or, at my was, chin. Yeah, like so it you was, couldn't even use like anything on the, the kitchen top because you were like too too high, yeah. and then it's not ergonomic for your arms and yeah. things. So I think we've got it done in the September. I think we went away to Port Douglas, so it was our first ever holiday. Yeah. Um, in the new new life. Is that when you fell out of the chair when you were drunk? Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she tipped back out of a chair. When she was so drunk. when you have chair, these things called tip bars on the back of your chair um, to stop you from tipping backwards, but they um, can get in the way of people that are pushing you. Mm. So I was being pushed um, a bit around and they were taken off and I don't know, I'd had a couple of drinks. So you're trying to do monos. And I was trying chair. to do a mono with the kids and being silly and then next minute but I landed ass head. up on my head. So, yeah, I was crying. And that happened I a think, few weeks ago as well. We went to Queensland. We were in Broad Beach. Yeah. And just like the what the paths aren't like flat, would you say, and she got caught in it and it was the one time that I wasn't behind her watching it and I turned back and you flipped like you went back hit your head on the concrete yeah yeah it's just things like that that you just yeah 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 it wasn't (laughs) good but it's all right you handled that very yeah very well yeah just I almost started crying I had to like walk off I was like getting emotional I was like fuck's sakes (laughs) you're like do we need to take you to hospital I'm like I'm okay Lily let's just get to the cafe I'm okay um yeah look and it's yeah you've got to laugh I think yeah. that's that's the thing the cry at the time but um yeah so I was I think 14 weeks in rehab you know and it was just so hard on everyone um our family was really good though oh we had incredible like we, support our whole family stayed with us like while mum and dad were yeah. always at the hospital when they you went away to America for what six weeks to do like a no, that was three. The first time was 12 weeks. 12 weeks? Yeah. So and was that because they, I could be wrong, they told you if you did that, you'd be able to walk again? Was that kind of the message? No, no. no it was It's a funny story. We were in Bali for, I think it was my 40th, and we were coming home, and it had been the time when there was a, um earthquake there, and we were there, and Mick was actually out on a run, and I was – still in the room with the kids and you in a chair then no this was before the chair so anyway they had an earthquake and that was fine we were coming home um on the plane and the flight back from bali is like a midnight flight it's a shocker sam was two and so i was sitting next to this man youngest brother um and saying you know i've you know, sorry about Sam, you know, but it's a hard flight. He goes, no, no, it's all right. It's he, He's actually distracting me. And turns out that his stepdaughter at the time had dove into a pool in Bali and broken her neck. Don't dive into a pool, everyone, yeah, yeah. or anything shallow. Um, <laughs> and um, so he was coming home from seeing her and the – Sorry, yeah, I'm tapping with the, I keep on the tapping table. on the table. Um, and um, when the earthquake had happened, she was in um, in hospital and in intensive care over there. All of the staff had run out on her, the poor thing, when she was in hospital because they were trying to, to make sure that none of the buildings collapsed. But anyway, we met this family. They told us about Rhiannon. And so then when I was in the hospital, there was an article on the notice board about Rhiannon 
and that she had been to Project Walk in the States with some success. So that's how I looked into Project Walk and went. And we started to try and do as much of the the, um, sort of rehab, you know, alternative therapies that we could to try and get some sort of connection back if there was going to be any possibility. And I was having acupuncture with a gentleman down in Melbourne and I started to feel he was putting... Is that Simon? No. no. Um, he was putting needles into my sacrum and I felt it. So That's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So that's sort of when we were... Um, we, we decided that... If we could get me in, we would send me over there for three months, which I managed to do, but with also, again, great family support um, and community support. But when I was in hospital, we did. We had beautiful support of family and friends. Stayed with us. That stayed or, you know, took the kids in and... And even, like, we didn't understand what really was going on at that age, I feel like. Like, we did, but, like... It wasn't to, like it obviously affected me, but not the way that I know it does now. Like yeah. I still remember when our aunties came and stayed with us, and that we had the best time. Like yeah. we will forever cherish those memories. Like we had so much fun with them when they came and stayed with us. And even I don't think you went, but the boys certainly did go with David and Chandel every as auntie and uncle. Yeah. yeah. Um, Every Australia Day weekend, to they'd go to um, Wye River. So it, it started some really lovely traditions with extended family and things, um, and that was that was really good for the kids um, to be distracted and just still live their lives as kids at yeah. that point. But um, yes, fourteen weeks in rehab, came home, had a complete and utter meltdown. Um, I remember being in rehab and going, all right, well, because, you, you know, it's so overwhelming and it's sad and you're like, well. You're grieving. You're grieving for this life that was assumed that you would always walk for the rest of your life. And I remember being, you know, very particular about, all right, well, if I'm having a sad day, it's okay to have a sad day. But I was only allowed to be sad for 24 hours. And then get up. I, I had well, to just write, okay, no more crying. You've got to get on with it. Um, so that was very much my mantra in rehab. And something that I've always found interesting, as soon as you had your accident, you became gluten intolerant mm. and you couldn't eat. What else couldn't you eat? I, I've had problems with FODMAPs. So it's since the accident? Since yeah. the accident. Yeah, because did you see my post the other day? I'm like doing research on what causes like gut issues. It's your, it's a reflection of your emotional state because your gut and brain are actually interconnected. So I actually like upon reflection, that's really interesting that as soon as you had the accident, you were then intolerant to all of these foods and we never understood why. But like, yeah, yeah, it just makes a lot like your body was going through massive trauma and as a result, you were allergic to all of this food. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Very interesting. And um, when was the first time you got back on a horse? Was that in America? No, that was actually so uh, She's crazy. Uh, <laughs> my my theory was, yeah, much was to theory? my family's disgust, 
was that if I had had an accident and I was driving a car, I wouldn't not be allowed to get back in a car and drive. So, and I had been constantly at my specialist, when can I ride again? When can I ride again? When am I allowed to ride again? And he'd said in six months, you're allowed to ride after six months because we had to allow for the fusions to make sure that they had settled in my back. So I think it was at seven months I tried to ride again. I And it was very hard to get back into riding with riding for the disabled because the wait list is years long and there is not many facilities that actually have a hoist to get a hoist to hoist you on. Um, because of workplace health and safety, you can't be lifted on and all those, and to have a safe horse. So I was lucky enough to then be able to sort of, I tried head office riding for the disabled. They wouldn't even take my details down to put me on a wait list. So I managed through the horsey community to eventually get into um, RDA Moorabbin, um, Jane Baker, shout out to you, um, who got me back on and it was terrifying. I remember it was like riding on a horse on a fit ball, trying to balance with no legs. Um, I had a couple of girlfriends with me at the time and it was really great, but it was also really terrifying. But when I went over to the States to Project Walk, it was a bit hysterical because um, the kid's dad had never really loved me riding horses or loved horses anyway. Yeah, he didn't. Didn't really like me riding horses either. Um, but it was always supportive. Like yeah, yeah, he yeah. was never. But didn't didn't like necessarily like it. That we wanted to do yeah, it. Yeah, but we went and bought a farm, and um, which he also enjoyed as well. Yeah, he loved. He liked that as well. But um, we got anyway. We got to the states project walk, and the first thing that they recommended as as a complimentary therapy for the project walk exercise program was uh, horse riding. Um, because it's the only therapy that your pelvis mimics the role of a walk when you're on a horse. Uh, so, yeah, poor old Mick was sort of surrounded by it. Um, of, of, you know. Well, for all of us, it was hard. Like, none of us wanted you to get back on a horse. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, we, I still struggle with it, I think. Yeah, and I, I understand that. Like, it's. Uh, but yeah, I just like you're saying is well, I'd get back in a car, and I completely like because you would if you have a car accident, you'd get back in a car. Like, and if it you uh, you love and are passionate about horse riding, so why would you stop? And I did stop for twelve months. Like when when my marriage broke down, I just had to have a bit of a recess of what was important in my life, and I did stop riding for twelve months because I was like. Yeah, it was a very, very traumatic time. And, um, yeah, and I didn't do it for 12 months and really noticed a difference in my mental health. Like it is just something that is so good for my mental health. And there's a lot of um, research out there to do with equine therapy and post-traumatic stress and mental health. And it's just something that I'm, I, I love and I am passionate about. And my risk management is extremely different now. Like yeah. the horses that I get on are as safe as what they possibly can be. Um, and I don't ride on a day that I think that there is any potential for the horse to be having a bad day. Yeah. 
Um, I have fallen yeah, off. Yeah, I was going to say, I think people are going to want to know, have you fallen off? What happens? Yeah. Can you break anything else yeah. if you do? Yeah, here we go. This will get her. What yep. hap- you fa- you've fallen off it? So I did fall off once um, since the accident and broke my leg quite badly. <laughs> Um, that was not good it you, wasn't good no. but it wasn't the horse's fault it was a um, sprinkler malfunctioned at the place that I was riding um and the horse got a fright and I which is understandable any horse would have a fright but I used to ride with a like a as explodable safety vest on to support my back if yeah, so was, if she was to fall off, it was, like, clipped to her saddle, and if she had was to fall off, it would explode, like, so it would protect you. Yeah, it? so from my neck to my spine. Yeah. But I had bought a cheap second, a cheaper one that was, like, a summer version one and hadn't connected the dots of the heavier one that I have, the winter weight one that I had, the lanyard which attached to me to the – safety release was a lot longer so if I had lost my balance it didn't go off but this other one because I lost my balance the um, lanyard was shorter and it went off when I was on the horse and it so that then gave the horse a double fright so we sort of went one way and I sort of leaned off to the side, but because I didn't have as far to lean, the jacket then went off. So then he went the other way and it the lanyard flicked and got my wrist. And so I let go with that arm and it just, I thought I'd gotten away with it. I thought I was but on the didn't. ground. I thought, oh, awesome. I haven't broken anything. I'm doing okay. And I come home. And I was Plot like, twist, she can't feel her legs and yeah. she had actually broken it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd come home, I'd had a wine and, and the knee looked a little bit swollen. I'm like, oh, but I've had swollen bits before. It was all right. So I was sitting on the couch. I thought it was, it was swollen. I'd had swollen bits before, but then the next day I exercised on it. And with, um, so I train a couple of times a week with Vin from, um, body fit training. Um, I think body fit is uh, not. Um, can't remember what the name of his PT company is. Hang on, I need to shout out to Vin Rabel. Vin Rabel. Um, Were you there the day I fell off a horse? Like the last time when I was like, nah, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. Were you? I swear yeah. I was with Dad. You were with Dad, and I came later. Um, yeah, so I always rode while well, she gets this up. I always rode horses and loved it. But like I said in my episode with Britt, people always picked on people for riding horses. Like it was that different thing and easy to pick on type sport. And people always used to like pick on me for being a horsey girl. And like it did affect me, but not to the point where it ever made me quit. And then obviously had mum's accident and I kept riding. But there was one time, what was it? It was like a three day event. Thing and I was doing show jumping. You were at like camp or something. It was a pony club camp, and Dad had taken you, not me. Yeah. And what had happened is, at the end of the day, the instructor just kept putting the jumps yeah, so up and up. Know, it's like how do you explain show jumping? It's like where you 
literally the horse jumps over a jump poles and yeah and they can put them up and they can just increase the height and so what happened at the end of the day they were increasing the height and instead of Lily being a people pleaser and saying no and if I hadn't been there, I would have said, no, I think they're fatigued. They shouldn't jump higher. And Mick didn't know any difference. Yeah. So she got higher and higher and, and came I, off. Yeah, obviously the horse can feel when you're anxious. So yeah. I was obviously in my head like, I'm really scared to do this. And I came off twice. Yeah. Like she stopped in front of the jump. I flipped over. I think I landed on her neck. And then the second time I actually landed on the pole was it i don't know i, I wasn't think I there to on watch the pole and yeah. that's when i was like no nah. even though i had like a back support on i was like no nah, i'm not i can't this is the universe like i'm just you yeah. you very specifically said i don't want to end up like you mum yeah okay. so and then that was it Sorry. there was no more no there's no apology <laughs> needed that's okay um i've gotten on since but yeah. i just don't like do it yeah like it's not a thing of mine anyway so vin is Body Evolution PT. Shout out to you. We train twice a week and have done for six years, which is maybe seven years. I don't know how he's put up with you for that long. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we have a good old laugh. Anyway, so I trained with Vin on it the next day, and he's like, Oh, your body's not right. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. I don't think it is either. And I stood on it and was still not right. I was like, Oh. And then. We just went, nah, call it a quits, came in, I went to put my shoe on and I put my right foot on my left knee and snapped it. (laughs) And it made a funny noise and I'm like, oh, was that my catheter bag or what was that? So I did it again and it did it again. (sighs) And then I started to feel really unwell um, and I had to go to the doctors and get it x-rayed. Yeah, imagine breaking your leg and not even feeling it. I just can't. Like, that's just crazy how the body, like, yeah. just like the, ugh, So yeah. my feeling is very altered. Yeah. But anyway, so that's the one and only time I've ever fallen off. It was actually two days before I was due to fly to Germany with my coach to yeah, find another. Wanted- I wanted this dream horse. I I. Had well, one of your goals was to go to the Paralympics. It was, yeah. That was sort and you of. You would have gotten there. Don't know. You just don't know those things. I certainly have a really great horse now yeah. who is recovering from injury, and and I think part of that, like if you set this goal of I want to go to the Paralympics, you I have learned in the last number of years is that it's not. The destination that counts. It's the journey. It's the journey that you, it's that old Miley Cyrus song that, you know, we love. You know, it's always going to be the climb. There's always going to be another mountain. So, um, yeah, so that is the one time that I have uh, fallen off. (laughs) And, yeah. What do you think that, like, the biggest struggles that come with having a disability? Mumming, like mumming in a di- like being a mum in a different way. I remember Lily's birthday is in January, and so it was. I was in rehab, obviously, at that point, and we had all the family come down. We had a barbecue. We had a cake. We were outside in the the barbecue area at rehab, and I remember Sam fell over and was down this little hill in grass, and I couldn't get to him, and like. And I remember 
and and he rang. I couldn't get to him to comfort him, so that was just so heartbreaking as a mum. But then he then he went to Mick. Not that that was a problem, but you know most kids come to mum to to be comforted and stuff, and it just it just made me realise at that point that I. I'm going to cry. I I was never going to be the mum from then on in that I wanted to be and I still struggle with that really now because I would. You're an amazing mum. Thank you, darling. Um, You'd support me if I turned around and said I wanted to be a pole stripper, like a stripper. I say that to to my friends all the time. Like (laughs) if you turned around and said to my mum, like, I want to be a porn star or something, you'd be like, yeah. Oh, porn star I'd have some concerns about. Um, Stripper. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Like (laughs) you only get to live once. Like it's not, yeah. Yeah. I I suppose so that's one of the big things that I struggle with is that I'm not the mum that I had in my mind that I was going to be. And so I constantly strive to try and I suppose, you know, we all do, but I I find that I'm very sensitive when the kids won't do stuff with me, which is normal teenage stuff, but I immediately think of the chair. Think it's because of the chair, not because they're teenagers and they don't want to hang out with their mum. But but it was, you know, it was really – it was hard for all of the kids. At, for, I think Sam, being the youngest at four, is probably the most well-adjusted in relation to the change because he can't really remember the difference. He yeah. can't really remember the different mum. But Tom um, but, but certainly Tom and Lily did, and, and Lily particularly being a girl and being in grade five, going into grade six, and, and it's all very much about image, isn't mm-hmm. it? And it's about fitting in and not having anything different, not being anything different, and and to have a mum, A, who was in a wheelchair, but B, whose wheelchair went on the roof of the car. Yeah, I was, did. I struggled you with struggled that when I was younger. younger. I don't know really. It it's like I resented the wheelchair. I just hated did. it. It was yeah. like, you've done this to my mum. Like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. and so you you wouldn't. I could I couldn't pick you up from school. I couldn't take you to school. I couldn't. Yeah. So that was I'm really so sorry. no. There's nothing to apologise for. Um, it, that was really hard to deal with. But also, you know, I I suppose I just tried to sit back and not take it personally. Um, but yeah. To, and and look, you know, um, everyone adjusts to things differently. I think. Um, and, and yeah, but so, yeah, I think mumming has been the challenge, but I think that will always be something for me to be working on. But the loss of my independence, like my frustration at having to ask people to help me and then, which is, and then people will help you, but instead of helping you and asking you how you want things done. They do it. They do it their way. And then if you try and say, oh, no, could you do it this way, then they potentially get offended that it's not the way you want. I've done that. So <laughs> oh, it's, it's perfectly human and natural, but it's for me as an independence yeah. thing, I, you know, like, and 
an example of that loss of independence, you know, now being on my own and, and I don't really have any single friends. Like I'm in my early fifties on my own in a wheelchair, um, to try and do things on the weekend that I would to do with horses and stuff. Um, you know, you would not, a normal person would without a disability would not need assistance. But for me to do any of that stuff, I need help to do that, like carers or grooms or what have you, and trying to find the right fit or the right people or people who are available, it's near impossible. Um, So that I find that really hard. Um, What's the three things you missed most that you were able to do before the accident? I feel like I know what you're going to say. Walking, definitely. Like I just, I, I sometimes sit and watch people walking down the street and just go, I wonder if you realise how effortless that is. Yeah, anyone listening, go for a walk today. Yeah. Go for a run, use your legs like, and be grateful that you can use them because we take that for granted Yeah, I, so I, badly. Yeah. Um, I, um, I, I find that... Really? Yeah, she's just really, she, she's, I knew you were going to talk about this. I'm like, I'm going to have to prepare myself for this conversation. What did I ask? Three things Three you things that most. I really missed. And she's just gone and written on a piece of paper, sex, question mark, to see if she's allowed to talk about that. You can talk about it, but. Yeah, look, look that. No, I have to be mature. This is what this podcast is all about, talking about uncomfortable topics. <laughs> okay, so part of also... We don't have to go into too much detail. No, 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 but I, I feel I need to explain. I won't go into specifics. So um, one's walking. So one, one. Is def- one is definitely walking mm-hmm. um, is what I definitely miss. And and I suppose independence because I would love nothing more than be, to be able to go and get my horse and do all of that myself and compete and um on my own that's probably the one thing that I I really can't do on my own like I can tow I can put on a horse float there is so much I can do independently although I have a lot of fatigue issues these days but so below your level of injury not only is your bladder and bowel altered but so is your sexual function so the ability to orgasm is lily you should see lily now she's just almost vomiting but the the ability to orgasm is um altered so you know obviously sex is is something that i miss it's a natural healthy part of life and you know there are so many benefits of it not just from an intimacy point of view, but also from the endorphins that it releases. And, yeah, so that is something that I miss. Yeah. A third thing? Well, I said loss of independence. Yeah, so okay. walking, loss of independence and sex. And what do you think, like, the biggest piece of advice you could give to get someone going through, like, a similar situation? Get therapy. It's always a really good thing. <laughs> I've had a lot of therapy. Um we love therapy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think it's, you know, just try and be in the moment because it's that whole, you know, if we get too far ahead of ourselves, we um, are um, 
anxious and what we're worrying about the what ifs and and things outside of our control but if you are just trying to be in the moment and if you're having a bad day try and set yourself goals of that if they if you achieve that one thing for the day then it's been a successful day and my thing was always to make sure the kids were fed and certainly um in the last seven years you know there's been some challenges you know of of being on my own and exhaustion and and bodies not doing what you want them to do and you know that meant if we got takeaway so be it yeah, we just us. we we had a meal you yeah. know we've got a roof over our heads we're warm we've and you got probably, clothes like you were probably like oh i'm gonna have to get takeaway but i reckon that was like the highlight of our week if we were going to mum's and we were sitting around the couch having takeaway all together like yeah. we loved that but it, you didn't necessarily like saw it as that but we absolutely loved it yeah well then that's yeah. the first time you said that to well, me because yeah, i'm good. like thinking oh god i'm no, giving them takeaway again it. but but that's just you know if if we were fed then that was my one success of the day um how do you keep a, such a strong mindset and attitude? Because I have hyped you up on my Instagram and said that you do have a, like you do have a very good mindset, I feel. Yeah, I think like, I do too. Yeah. I, look, I, I suppose I think I was always a positive person. Yeah. Um, and there are certainly days when, when I'm not, and that's all pretty normal, but... I suppose I have generally been goal orientated and am able to see the um, positives in life as opposed to the negatives. And I've worked really hard on that to, yeah. to make sure that I um, try and see the positives in things. So whether or not that's you know, podcasts these days are really popular. Listening to a podcast or reading a, a mindset book or um, therapies helped along the way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What's one piece of advice you wish you could tell your younger self? Or, like, obviously, my listeners are young. Piece of advice you wish to give to them? Mm. Anything? Yeah. We can come back to it. No, it's probably that, you know, you never have it all figured out. Like that, you you know, don't be hard on yourself for things, you know. The the way to learn is through growth or, you know, growth and learning go hand in hand and with that also comes making mistakes and, you know, don't have any shame about that. You know, there's a don't live your life in shame. Talk about things with your friends or get some therapy if that's what you need. Um, there's no shame in anything that you do. Um, Love it. It's, it's normal to make mistakes. So Beautiful. Well, now we're going to do some questions from the Instagram. So we'll okay, try yeah. and like not like short responses but yep, like yeah yeah we do have a few so we'll try and get these done as quickly as possible because we've almost been recording for an hour now oh wow 
And we haven't really even touched like no, so much more. No, we about like yeah, we so we could go into so much more. We'll yeah. probably do another one, but yeah. yeah. See what the listeners think. All right. As a family slash patient, what actually helps during those hard times from others? Um, as a patient, I suppose it was just a listening ear and no judgment. It, like the spinal nurses were pretty good. They yeah. were just lovely. The doctors were sh- horrible. Oh, my consultant was really good. But I remember one day... I'm going down a rabbit hole no, here. No, you can just um, I'll be really quick. I went because I wanted orthotics for my legs to be able to stand up and the male consultant turned around and said to me, what, do you want to be able to stand up at the kitchen sink and wash the dishes? Well, yeah, fuck it, I yeah. do. It's like, no, I don't care. I just want to be able to hug my family standing up. But you did. Like this is the backstory, but you had a chair that allowed you to stand up and do that. Yeah. But you don't have that anymore. Yeah. Um, I just think support. Yeah, definitely like support. Support. support um, and um, I loved the, the the school dinners. Like we'd get yeah, like school, school dinners like given to us. Was it every week? Yeah. Like as a, like as a support thing and like I loved it. Yeah. Lasagna, pasta, dinner was already made. Just like the little things like that yeah. so no one had to worry about it. So, yeah, so that was something as a – like if you've got someone that's going through a trauma like this is – Check in if they want some meals made, um, which is always really great. St. Joey's Primary School were really great with that Um, community stuff. We used to get – they would have a freezer where they would hand out meals to families that were struggling. So that was always really good. And I know, like, my major friends, like, that I have now, like, Letitia, the Graces, Bella, like, they've always been so, like – what is it like inclusive and like they don't see you well it feels like they don't see you as someone who's in a wheelchair you're just my mum, and I've always loved and appreciated that because like we'll hang out with you yeah like when we went to Queensland we went and caught up with you and had a drink and that was really nice and I feel like just like that as well has been good from like a my perspective absolutely don't be a judgy cunt yeah pretty much (laughs) mentally how was the shift in learning how to navigate your new life tough Really tough. Um, Really tough. And you can accept it to a certain point, um, but you don't ever give up hope, I suppose. Um, And and I think it's finding the things that mentally help your mindset. So mine has always been exercise. Exercise. When I went to Project Walk, I went over there for three months and then came back and then started to exercise at home um, four days a week for any neurological gains. Um, So definitely exercise has helped. We've got a few questions on this three. How has, like, our relationship been affected because of the accident? It was tough. Mm. It was definitely tough. Like there was certainly the teenage <laughs> I was a- angst through there. Lily was quite challenging. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, you blamed me for a long time. Yeah, I did. I was very angry. Yeah. Yeah. And and we Lily, there's nothing to apologize for. Um, it is what it is. Um you and we tried to get you some help and like 
But it's one thing, the old saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Like We can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. And I didn't. No, you you were just angry. And that's understandable. Like. And I was depressed. Like, even as a 12-year-old, I had depression, but I didn't even, like, know yeah. what that was or what I was feeling. And just, like, yeah, I remember, like, always being told to go and see someone, and I hated it. Mm. But, like, now I think that that was the best, like, thing for me, yeah. even though I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my psychologist was even saying the other day, like, how far I've come from when I was seeing her at 14 to now I am – 22 she was like you wouldn't even talk to me like you wouldn't you weren't open about anything you were just this like angry uptight negative person and now I'm like the complete opposite and she was just yeah it was really yeah yeah, you have grown a lot certainly in the last 12 months I would say um but yeah look it it was really really tough like because as a family we were all grieving we were grieving for the life that we thought yeah, I feel like we I was had. grieving my mum. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't get the mum and you could remember what life was like pre-accident. And I was seeing my friends with their mums. Yeah, like, that's that right. Yeah. yeah, and we just didn't. And because I was different, you didn't want to be seen with me because I was different. And there was just so much anger. And then throw into that, five years later, a marriage breakdown. So then we had all of this other trauma that we were all trying to deal with. And then so then throw in week about yeah. with your parents, which is just sucks, but there's no other easier and way was, to do it. I, there was a period of time that I was very angry at mum for still riding, like I'm very angry. Yeah. But like that's like done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and – yeah, so you went and lived with Dad for a while. Yeah. Um, which was really hard for me. And then I went and lived with Mum and then with Dad. Like, I did Week and About for a little bit. How long do you reckon I did it for? Week About? Yeah. You didn't do it for very long no. at all. And then you yeah, lived like, with Dad for 12, with Dad months. for 12 months. Mom, 12 months. And then yeah, yeah, back to Dad that. for a little while, then yeah. back to me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, look, it was, it was really tough. It was, yeah, not going to lie. Impacts on sibling dynamics, positive, like, did you come together or was it negative? I don't really remember me and my brothers when the relation, uh, the accident happened. I just remember when you and dad separated, that's when we came together. And yeah. we kind of took it as, well, we only have each other now. We've got to, like, support and be there for each other. And the relationship that I had with my brothers, it was that typical, like, never got along with them, like, but now, like, since the divorce, I feel like we're – like, people say, like, you and your brothers are so close, and we are. Like, and yeah. I reckon it was because of the divorce. Like, that's what brought us together, So, which was a positive thing. Absolutely. But I also think, too, um, I think that's a normal thing through teenagers. Yeah, like, you, you don't necessarily yeah. get on – With your siblings. Siblings, yeah. no. Yeah. So um, – What are your goals in life, Mum? My goals. Yeah. Uh, certainly to yeah, get back. So this is related as well. What's Joyce's purpose of life? What gets her out of bed in the morning? Well, some days it's really easy to get out of bed. Other days it's a struggle. And that sort of really probably goes back to what's going on with my body. I just feel like as I've gotten, so I'm 11, just over 11 years post-accident now. 
And as I am aging, things are getting harder um, and pain is a bit of an issue these days. And certainly the winters here are getting harder and harder. So my goal is ultimately to get to the Gold Coast to live. she wants to live there. And as well, because the temperature is much more even, like I struggle quite badly with the big changes that knocks my body around with pain and nerve pain. You know, like we can have a 22-degree day one day and then the 10-degree the next, and that's when I really find it really difficult. And Warrigal's not particularly wheelchair-friendly. It's really not. And the next time you go to use a disabled car park or disabled toilet, think again, please. (laughs) But it's even, even, like, it's hard to find a disabled car park and then it's also pushing around Warrigal although you guys wouldn't realise it, it's actually the wheel, the footpath's actually cambered, so it's on a slight sort of decline. So or that stairs make, makes well. it really hard. Stairs are really impossible. Um, but yes, yeah, so my goal is to go to Queensland. I want to get back riding consistently. My horse is coming off an injury at the moment. Do you still have the goal to go to the Paralympians one day? Nice. Yeah. If I could, but it's not like it's not not a for, thing that's forefront in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, what gets you out of bed in the morning? I suppose you kids get me out of bed. Like it's, um, well, someone said, "How did she raise such a wicked daughter?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with a lot of grey hair. Uh, yeah, no, you're pretty cool. Yeah. Well, how'd you do it? I don't know. Just you do your best. Just did. Just, yeah, just did, yeah. <laughs> did we do this? Pros and cons of having a disability? Name three, just short and sweet. Three oh, cons, the, the pros. Pros, uh, catheter bags, so I don't... Do you think they're pros? Yeah, definitely. Well, so instead for anyone of that doesn't know what a catheter bag is, it's where, like, what is it? Your bladder is connected to a tube and that comes out. Is it out of your belly button? Yeah, I have so like a, a TMI, but I have a suprapubic. So yeah. I have a, like a stoma directly straight into my bladder and I have a bag. That used to wig me out. Still does. Um, <laughs> uh, which, so my urine drains into a bag and I can empty it anywhere that I like. Yeah. Um so that's definitely a pro. And we probably have a really good story about drinking urine. To- oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the story, but I won't use names because I know that they won't appreciate names. Okay, yes. Okay, so that's- there was people in a car yeah. and obviously there was a long trip and mum has like obviously cause she, she emptied her catheter bag into a bottle because um, we were like going on a long trip and someone has not realised and picked up the the bottle, thinking it was a bottle of water, and drank it. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Uh, it was very funny. It was, uh, yeah. No. Pros is like the lines, like when we go on, like a on a plane or something. Like you get to go on it first. Yeah, you get to go skip on it lines. first. Skip lines. Yeah, but the catheter allows me to um, go to the toilet anywhere. So yeah, if you're at a party and you can see a wine bottle near me that looks a little yellowy, like don't go bag, near it. Don't go. Go near it. 
Um, do you think you've had like a lot of opportunity since the accident? Like you've been, you've done like talks, you've been in like magazines, like articles. I certainly wouldn't change the accident. I think I'm a much better person for it. I've look at that. Definitely. Um, yeah, but I just wish it wasn't perhaps quite so severe. Like it would be nice if I could still sort of, you know, get around and walk a bit like what my friend Martin does now. He's in a power chair, but he can get up and walk um, with forearm crutches. So um, I just thought of this back to the, you know, how I was like resentful to the wheelchair. Yeah. I now work in disability. Yeah. Like how funny is that? Like I obviously was like, "Eh, I'm not hanging around you, not being seen with you. And I've been working in the disability sector for a couple of years now, almost five years since 2018 to now. And I love it. Mm. I absolutely love my job. That's good. So, yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have had that opportunity if it weren't for you. Like that because obviously we've had carers come into our home and that's how I learned about the role. Yeah. So yeah. There, there you go. go. Yeah. And cons of a disability, did we? Oh well cons would certainly be the bowel issues and accidents and challenges, because that's never fun. You know, I remember in the early days when I hadn't sort of quite got it all under control, being out for lunch and having a bowel accident in the middle of the restaurant and having to go home. Um, you know, no one likes to deal with shitty nappies, let alone a shitty adult. Um, so that's definitely a con. Um, relying on technology that is supposed to make your life better, but it, it is unreliable. Like that is just such a challenge. I've got s- some issues going on with a thing that gets my wheelchair in and out of the car for me at the moment. And it's supposed to work and some days it does and other days it doesn't. And it's taken over two years for it to get sorted to this point that it's usable but it's and I I lost my independence a fair bit because I couldn't get in and out in the community and yeah, yeah it and throws you around a lot. it's yeah, yeah so that that's really um, difficult. Would you have any questions for me from like my perspective? Any? Well, I suppose what what are some of your Pros and cons. Pros and cons of, of what you see the world now as having experienced someone with a disability. Um, that, like, how do I word this? There are other people out there that aren't, how do I? Like, just the things that I pick up if I walk down the street that a normal person wouldn't, like the yeah. disabled car parks, the flat surfaces, like, if. I see someone that's like in a wheelchair struggling, like I'll go up to them and help them, just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I So you've so you've had that exposure to disability that yeah. you never would have had yeah. um prior. Prior. And and that was And I feel like like it has taught me how to be resilient, like bounce back and Absolutely. And I'm yeah. glad that I've got that up my sleeve. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, because when I had the accident, we didn't have any exposure to disability 
or and the access. I don't even think I ever saw someone in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like had even. Like you just didn't. Yeah, like and especially if, being from a small town. Yeah, yeah, you just didn't know of the challenges of disabled parking and yeah. accessibility and traveling like that's the biggest challenge isn't it even like, like going to the supermarket and you need something from the top shelf and you can't get it yeah like just little things like that yeah and yeah i used to be so i went through like a massive like depressive rut when i was like what 15 and i remember like that i some of the things that would make me like get up and actually go for a walk is you can use your legs like get off off your ass and go for a walk mm-hmm. like my mom can't do that and it's yeah. funny that and you know, that was not something that you would ever share with me. No. You, that, you know, um, or talk to me about. Yeah, I found it hard to talk about it. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, travel with a disability is really difficult because more often than not the disabled access rooms when you go and stay somewhere are a one-bedroom room. Like they don't actually cater for families or they don't have interconnecting rooms. Yes. That's been a really interesting thing um that we experienced mm-hmm. as a family trying to tra- to travel um yeah look well, Britt, like you know at the end of each episode like my guest is gonna leave a question or two questions or whatever for the next guest to answer okay so Britt's yep. given you two questions that oh, you have to answer okay thanks and Britt. then you're gonna have to give two i oh. think i have I know who I want my next guest to be, but I don't know if it actually will be. Yeah. So what is the best and worst thing about getting older? The worst thing is for me the pain. Um, my body is, um, you know, pain. But I think the best thing about getting older is you you're a lot more confident in your own skin and not worried about what people think about you um, and are prepared to give more things a go and not, not worry that you'll be judged. Yeah. And what the second one is what makes you feel most alive? Definitely horse riding. Yeah. Yeah. She's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, it does though. It makes you very happy. Yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a great form of mindfulness because it is. You actually have to be in the moment. You can't be thinking about did I pay that bill? Have I turned that light off? What's for dinner? Um, yeah, because if you're not concentrating on the horse, no, that's when shit go goes wrong. Yeah. yeah, so you have to really be in the moment and connect with the horse, and it's and it's it's a hobby that you're constantly learning from. Like you, ha- I would have regular lessons and try and compete, um, and so you would always be learning. All right, well, that didn't work, or that was really good, and. If you competed, then you got feedback and marks on certain movements. So there was you were always growing and always learning. So oh, I love it. Good. Well, yeah. we're gonna have to wrap it up now. Good so thank well, you. Thank so you, much. Lily, for asking me on. I'm yeah, very honoured. So I feel like we're gonna have to do another one because we just yeah, there was lots yeah. we didn't cover. No. Um, 
But that's okay. See what the listeners think. Yeah, they if might anyone not. wants us to do another one, we'll yep. be happy to. And, yeah, if you're still listening to this point, thank you so much. If you could give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. And, Mum, are you going to say the last line? How do I leave everyone? What do I say at the end? This will test her. Nothing changes if nothing changes. That's exactly right. Nothing changes if nothing changes. (laughs) 